Welcome to podcast number four of the Mandarin Blueprint podcast, the podcast number four of the podcast. This is Spring Festival week in China, which is a special week uh, because everything shuts down, but it also is like a time for family. There's a big, uh, what they call Chunyun, which is uh, when everybody moves around the country at in incredible numbers. It's like the biggest transportation in one week. I think anywhere in the world. Oh yeah, definitely. You um, definitely don't want to travel around China in Spring Festival. It's pretty tough. Yeah, it's like the one time of the year, I guess, where you have to be with your family. You know, it's kind of like Christmas. <clears throat> yeah, and yeah. it's it's what everyone looks forward to for the entire year. It's like, well, the way Christmas works in my family is, is how I imagine it works in uh, my girlfriend's family, mm. where it's like, oh, I could just eat and drink constantly, <laughs> and I won't feel any guilt whatsoever. Yeah, because you know, yeah. that's what you're supposed to do. Well, and everybody's not working, so it's like, what are you gonna, you know? It's like yeah. during a normal week, you'd Good. be like, well, why shouldn't be doing this? Because I have other responsibilities. But in Spring Festival week, the whole country is doing the same thing. So everybody's just hanging out with their families. It's a really nice time, actually. Have, have you ever um, been, you know, with a Chinese family during the Spring Festival celebrations? Well, I mean, my girlfriend and I spent it together, just me and her, once. Um, like my first year in mm. China, but that doesn't really count, you know. Yeah, yeah, so sure. this is my first year where I'm doing a, I guess you say a proper Chinese New Year. I'm going with her family. Right, right. And where do they I'm live really again? Forward to actually, um, Shijiazhuang, like near. Oh right, near capital of uh, Hebei province. Yeah, 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 that's where like the the most standard Mandarin is apparently. Yeah, yeah. Their natural dialect is 91% Mandarin, which is one of those things mm. where I'm like, that's awesome, but it's also amazing that it's not. A hundred percent. You know, there's really isn't anywhere where it's actually one hundred percent Mandarin, but um, well, still, mean, though, Mandarin has the most connections to almost. You know, there are some dialects on the east coast around uh, 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 Fuzhou that are a bit crazy and nothing like Mandarin, but most of the dialects, at least, they connect to Mandarin to some degree. So, if mm. you learn Mandarin, then learning the dialect is actually quite easy from there. I, I've never consciously tried to study Sichuanese, but I can understand it now. Yeah, yeah. See, I mean, I because I've been we've both been in Sichuan pretty much the entire time, and you were in Beijing for a couple of years. But mm -hmm. I've been in Chengdu for like five years, mm -hmm. and I forget sometimes how I, I, it's so amazing going to up north. Yeah, and just, especially <laughs> to somewhere like Shijiazhuang, like you say, where people speak very standard Mandarin. You go there, and I'm just like, oh my god, I can like understand everyone so easily and you know it's, yeah. it's not it's not a challenge whatsoever it really is amazing that the variability in the dialects because you look at um sichuan and it's really not even right to say sichuanese because even within the different cities in sichuan it's kind of like england in that way except even more extreme because england yeah. there's like a new accent how many kilometers is it like you well travel? i think it's like an average of like 25 square kilometers or sorry miles there's the accent changes but we can always understand each other right right, like, right. even within sichuan hua right? sichuan yeah. hua there's like like someone from erme mountain yeah like the villages around there would not necessarily understand someone speaking the local chengdu dialect right you know, right it's even though they're both part of yeah. Sichuan, Sichuan. It's, it's crazy. And there's even a standard <clears throat> sort of uh, Sichuanese in a sense, because I remember one time I was um, teaching drums at a high school mm, yeah. and the the teacher was a young guy around my age uh, and like, he was just sort of the coordinator for the whole music program. And I heard him on the phone 
And it was funny. I was like, I've never understood Sichuanese so perfectly because he was speaking it in such a standard way because you know, mm. it was kind of professionally. So it was like professional Sichuanese. And usually people will just, in professional situations, they'll just speak Mandarin. But, you know, they're within the school. I'm sure they're just talking to somebody somewhere else in the school. And it was really interesting because I realized if you're listening to, like, there's an old woman in uh, my apartment complex that takes care of the bikes mm. and I, I still can't understand no, her no chance she's like whenever she speaks i'm like oh you're not from Chengdu, and the way that you and she doesn't understand mandarin either like i'll speak mandarin back to her and she'll just be like i don't understand you <laughs> yeah, she's had a tough life that one but, yeah yeah um, so there's a lot of uh variability there so anyway spring festival <laughs> week it's very it's very special time i you know um i really appreciate a lot of the traditions on um yuan xiaojie the final day they will uh, send out these lanterns over Jiuyanqiao, um, which is uh, a pretty famous spot in Chengdu, and it's quite beautiful. It's really nice to like watch all those lanterns go up in the sky. And uh, you're like, supposed to stay up all night, just yeah, set off yeah. fireworks and those bangers and stuff, and you know get foreigners drunk. That's basically <laughs> like that's pretty much going to be the goal of my girlfriend's family. Is just going to be, can we get this Lao drunk? Let's see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's, that's definitely a thing that. Come that guan, you run across. Guan zui, guan zui. Yeah, like, yeah. Basically, force someone to get drunk in a social way. You know. Yeah, have, yeah. have another. Have another. Another one they'll they'll use is um, <coughs> bu zui bu gui, and gui in that case means return. Mm -hmm. So like it's a more a little bit more of a formal way. Normally people just say hui like hui lai. That's what they'll say to mean to come back. Mm. But gui is a bit more of a written way of saying return. So it's sort of a turn of a phrase. You know, bu zui bu gui. So if you're mm. not drunk. You can't go home. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of a, an interesting little um, thing they'll do, especially around Spring Festival. Yeah, it's all, it's all in good fun. And uh, they're not going to succeed anyway, so they always just end up getting more drunk than me. Yeah, yeah. That's a thing called a uh, liang. is what they'll call that. Yeah, like, my, yeah, how is your uh, liang? which means like how much, liang literally means quantity, so alcohol quantity. And you yeah. can just say it directly, like how is your alcohol quantity? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like basically asking how much can you handle. And uh, yeah, I tend to be like, eh, it's a, more than you. <laughs> so... Yeah, anyway, for sure. so let's get into some questions from this week. Uh, we have some questions from the email, questions from the comment section of the Mandarin Blueprint Method course. As always, it's a, you know if you're the, the first time listening to the podcast, just a brief explanation. The Mandarin Blueprint Method course is our approach to learning Chinese that really breaks things down from its very basics, the basic character components, into Chinese characters, into Chinese vocabulary words, into grammar. And so it's sort of a linear integrated system. And it's um, uh, it's a pretty innovative system. It's new. It's, it uses a lot of mnemonic visualization. And so people have questions. They want to know, like, and they also leave a lot of comments of their suggestions because it's a very flexible system. So when we're answering these questions, if at any point you feel like, what are these guys talking about? Just it's remember all on the website. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can go check those out, and you can um, do a free trial too. Um, so if you want to check out the actual course, um, actually a ten day free trial. Mm. So it gives you a lot of chances. Really yeah, get yeah. Ten days definitely enough to dig into it and figure out what it's all about. So um, well, I mean, we have people learn, you know, over a hundred characters in two days. Yeah, you know, like yeah. reading, writing, listening, speaking. So it's uh, yeah. If you want to learn quickly, that's kind of the way to do it. Cool, cool. All right. So first. Um, First comment here is from Jim Owafa Deju. Well, I think I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Jim A. He's left us he's a lot of comments. He's probably going crazy. Every time I mentioned him in my podcast, the second one mm. I did, and I was just like, I think I've got that right. And I probably <laughs> haven't. Um, but he said uh, the prop I chose for R, which is 
the, the prop is the uh, the physical representation in your mind of a character component. So it's usually a normal everyday 3D object that you imagine to represent it. Yeah. And uh, R is number two, and it's two lines on top of each other. And he's imagined that to be a pair of socks. You know, mm. something something that because we suggest that don't we something that comes in pairs. Right. One sock is on top of the other. Yeah, one is on top and the other is on the bottom. Right. So that sounds fine to me, although uh, the idea of you don't actually have to have two of them necessarily. You could just have a sock that cause it comes in twos. Mm -hmm. you, know, so you could. Necessary. Or you could have your actor wearing socks as well and they're, they're yeah, like some... brightly colored. Yeah. And they're like slipping over and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a, sure. But uh, yeah, it sounds fine to me. Or even ideally, you could imagine, you know, whenever you're doing this method, you want to say, okay, here's a prop, which is a pair of socks okay fine is there anything you can do to make it more personal or mm. make it stick out a bit more yeah, you know if it point. were just a pair of regular old black socks or something might be a little bit hard to remember but you can either make it you can just make something up like make them crazy rainbow long tube socks or something mm. uh, or you can remember if for whatever reason you have a pair of socks you find particularly memorable I actually when I just this is how it works like just now popped into my mind when I used to play uh, youth football as a kid, we had to wear these long white socks because it was a part of the uniform. And mm. so, like, I remember always, like, they went up to, like, my thigh. And so th that could be my personal connection to it. So there's always a chance to make it a little bit more personal. Mm. If you make it more personal, by definition, that's going to be more memorable because you've already created a memory about it. Like, it's already, the memory's already there, so you're just connecting the Chinese to that memory that's already been established. So that's, that's how learning usually works. Yeah, and that's yeah. the power of this method as well. So if whenever you can do that, don't force yourself to do it if you find that you can't. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's really, really gonna improve your memory yeah. of, of that thing that you're trying to learn. Absolutely, all right. So uh, next we have uh, a scene from Ryan Smith. Ryan has uh, submitted a lot of scenes to us and so we really appreciate it. And I'm sure that the people who are on the course really appreciate it as well because the more sample scenes you can see, uh, the easier it'll be for people. And I must say, you know, he's, <laughs> I appreciate the commitment, you know, because yeah, he goes into a lot of detail. I hope he doesn't feel ob obligated to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because we obviously we prefer, and he's not doing it for his own benefit, you know, because we prefer that people don't write down their stories, but it looks like he's just trying to help out. You know, yeah. he's trying to share yeah. his ideas and a lot of them are great um, yeah. as well. So let's go for the first one. Yeah, sure. So uh, what I like about how Ryan does this is that he first just lays out his sort of ingredients for the scene. Because whenever you do a mnemonic scene, you have to say, okay, what represents the vowel sound of the pinyin? What represents the consonant sound? What represents the Mandarin tone? Everybody knows Mandarin's a tonal language. Uh, what represents the character components? And then what does he connect to the keyword? So the location is, he says, my friend Anil's balcony. The actor, my friend Marcos, the props are horse and a Rolling Stones mouth. So the wow. reason why the reason why he chose my friend Anil's balcony is because this pronunciation is ma and it ends in a. His friend's name is Anil. So perfect. <coughs> There's the connection there. And Marcos is his friend representing the M. So ma M A. Marcos represents N. Anil's balcony represents. Uh, a and the fact that it's fifth tone because the balcony is, is sort of a separate room. Normally, mm. it's a uh, fifth tone by itself doesn't happen that much, so that's a good choice by choosing the balcony. So he says his keyword connection is Sniffles the Looney Tune, who always asks an endless stream of questions because ma 
means a yes or no question. When you see ma at the end of a sentence, mm. that's what it's indicating. And so that's a good connection. I love yeah, that. Yeah, so it's, it's okay <clears throat> if you can, most of the time, you're gonna try and use what you have to rep, like, so you're gonna use the props and the actor and the location, combine them in a certain way that represents the meaning. Mm. But sometimes you can't do that that easily or you, can't, you haven't got any inspiration to do that. So you can bring in things that directly represent the keyword for you. So yeah. Looney Tunes character. I actually can't think of who that is. The sniffle. I used to, I'd be obsessed with Looney Tunes when I was a kid. I can't think of sniffles. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the, you know, it's what's great about it is it, it, all it, ha it only has to connect to you personally. Yeah. So anyway, so let's uh, read the scene here. Sniffles the Looney Tune is bugging Marcos with an endless stream of questions while sitting out on the balcony of Anil's. He's asking so many questions that he can't keep up with them himself. So his face splits in two. <laughs> He's a Looney Tune. This is perfectly plausible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she said well, yeah. With one copy taking taking on the appearance of the Rolling Stone mouth, both mouths still asking endless questions. But now in stereo. Oh, <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. This is way too much for Marcos to handle. So he whistles for a horse which comes running through the balcony door, he hops on, and then Horse and Marcos jump off the 13th story balcony to get away from the questioning. <laughs> yes, this is, I love this scene on so many levels. Uh, any, yeah. any initial comments? It's, it's great, it's ticked all the boxes. <clears throat> it's very memorable and it's not, uh, a lot of people when they're starting out, they add in a lot of extraneous stuff, they don't, like, stuff that doesn't need to be there. Mm. Um, just because they think that's what they need to do. They need to make it more flavorful and, and but he he hasn't actually done that. He's just used what he has and he's combined it to make the meaning very clearly of asking questions. Right, which right. Which is what this character represents. It's basically the question mark, the yes and no questions. Yeah, so, yeah. Perfect. So there are a couple things in this scene that I really liked because he's essentially using the special effects and special effects are essentially, or script triggers, we'll call them either a script trigger, which is like to give you inspiration for an idea of how to represent the keyword or a special effect to help make the scene more memorable. But effectively what these are, are just the memory athlete techniques, which I think was um, something that you wanted to comment about. Yeah, so we've added that as, it, as our own sort of flavor to help people out when they're having trouble. So special effects are things that you don't actually have to do, they just enhance what's already there. Yeah. Right? So there's loads of different things um, that we've added in based on research from these, these memory athletes. So for example, slow motion is mm -hmm. a huge one. Um, that, sure. Like, so cause if you've got loads of things you're trying to imagine mm -hmm. and trying to create a false memory, that could be tough, right? So if yeah. you slow everything down, makes it easier to process it, sort of like matrix style, the bullet time. Yeah. Uh, as well as making it easier to process, it makes it more fun. And, and the one that really memorable. stuck out to me here was the uh, the the speaking in stereo. Like that <clears throat> moment when he said that, I immediately went, oh yeah, I can imagine that from a movie or something where sure. suddenly there's one person talking and now there's two and you can just hear it, even though I can't mimic it obviously with uh, my own voice, it's, it's, it's something that, uh, instantly you can imagine, and of course that's gonna make the scene a bit more memorable. So uh, that type of thing is is there. He, he makes a copy of the uh, Looney Tunes sniffles, or the mouth anyway, Coffee which is perfectly is fine that, to do. Yeah, so I, I saw on a rather obscure like uh, memory forum. Mm. Um, so the reason why we added it in is because 
it doesn't mess around with if you're making a copy of your actor right right you're not going to get confused and think oh what's that other person doing here but if you added like a random person you might think what does that person represent and it'll confuse right you later on when you try and recall the scene right but if you have just a copy of your actor it's not going to mess with anything it's still the same actor right exactly but it also gives you an extra pair of hands as well so mm. if you wanted to uh, you're having sort of you're a bit stumped on how to make something interact. Mm-hmm. You just have an extra copy there. A simple one for this that uh, I, I always tell people about was what a lot of times when we would teach the character hua, shuo hua the hua that means like speech. If people were using Harry Potter as their actor to represent H U, mm. I said double up the Harry Potter, make him do a little magic to the other Harry Potter so that he can't speak, like and then yeah. have him like take away the. Sp- the spell and now he can speak which is kind of a mix of making a copy and using contrast to ex- express meaning so like mm. that's the usefulness of a copy adding the extra harry potter isn't confusing you're not like why are there two it's just like no just the fact that he's there represents hu so that's how all this works so also say is that a lot of these extra techniques didn't just come from forums they came from our own clients and our yeah. just from teaching it for like three years yeah, yeah. for hundreds of hours online, uh, the little problems would come up and say, oh, we could solve it this way. Right. And right. So we come up with about 20 of them, haven't we? These oh, yeah. Special effects that you can do. They're pretty cool. Yeah, we've had a lot. We've had a lot. And, you know, when you realize <laughs> that your own imagination is a no budget film, like you, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. And then you realize, oh, yeah, I could have zooms. I could have background music. I could have spe- all these crazy special effects. Mm. And it doesn't change the budget of my imagination. So, uh, all right. So Ryan uh, submitted another question or another scene. But let's um, let's go back to that in a bit just to switch to um, another question. So so the next comment is from Robert Carver. And he was leaving this comment on the pick a prop mm. lesson for Dai, which is a character that originally means, uh, well, it has a couple of meanings, but the meaning that we had him learn was dumb. So like when you could say uh, that somebody is, uh, there's a n- number of ways that people will use it. Like you could say, uh, which would mean like I got scared dumb. Like it's like sort of this call and uh, results of compliment they use a lot in sure. Chinese. But anyway, so when you're, when you learn a character like Dai, sometimes it's used in its entirety in another character later like for example as a component as a component right so for example ball means to like safeguard something and the right side component of that is the entire character mm. die so how what are you going to imagine at that point well robert says i like the scarecrow from the wizard of oz because the prop sort of looks like a scarecrow and of course if i only had a brain so that's I a, love that's it. one of those rare uh, times where you have because <clears throat> usually we say choose a prop based on either the appearance or the meaning Mm-hmm. And but Robert's managed to combine those both together, and that's quite hard to do. So. Yeah, it's like because if you look at it, it's got the tree component on the bottom, and it's got the mouse component on the top. And of course, if it's just the mouse component on the top, you can almost imagine it like an empty head, like there's just an empty brain there. There's you can nothing imagine that in could there. be the actual Chinese character for Scarecrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Like, it's actually pretty good. Sure, and of course, um, yeah, and it, it does look like a guy with arms, and you know, there's a pole in the middle holding him up, right? So it's sure. it's perfect. Yeah, right. so I really like that one, Robert. Well done. So. So yeah, everyone, yeah, follow Robert's example there. Mm. Um, Evan McCarthy said, "What balance should I have between this course, the Mandarin Blueprint Method, uh, and the Pronunciation Mastery course? Should I finish Pronunciation first or in parallel?" Now, I believe I actually answered that uh, myself before, and that what we would say is basically, if you are absolute zero, then try and get through the Pronunciation Mastery as quick as you can, get the basics, 
um, like watch the main content videos, not necessarily the bonus stuff, start reviewing the flashcards, and then start the Mandarin Blueprint method because <clears throat> we actually make changes based on opinion, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're learning the pronunciations of these characters by choosing actors and sets to represent the finals and initials and stuff. So it's really good to have a, a grasp of actual opinion because the opinion, the version of the opinion chart we use for this is sort of slightly different. Right, um, right. So yeah, I would say if you're an absolute beginner, pronunciation first, but if, you, if, you know, if you've already got some basics, then do them both together. Yeah, and I mean, there is um, one of the sort of key elements of our blueprint is that you start each individual section, each individual layer, pronunciation, characters, vocabulary, mm -hmm grammar acquisition, you take a period of time where that's your main focus before you start adding in the next layer. Now, you don't have to completely finish it necessarily, although it is possible with pronunciation more so than the other layers, but mm. uh, you don't have to completely finish it before you move on. Just recognize that you need to spend a good amount of time on each layer by itself to some degree. Um, it's not that you don't keep learning characters, you learn vocabulary, but when you reach the vocabulary layer, which is phase three of the course, we say, okay, like think about this a bit more than you did before. Oh, we're in grammar now. Okay, think about that a bit more than before. Individual sentences for a while, and then eventually we go, okay, now focus more on the longer dialogues, the longer opinions where there's a bit more context. And, you know, so you just move in a reasonable linear fashion through the course. And yeah, pronunciation is a little bit of a uh, separate animal, which is why it's a separate course. But, you know, I agree with Luke overall that if you can, if you don't know anything about pinyin at all, better idea to finish the pronunciation course first. All right, excellent. So got another couple of quick stories here from Ryan Smith. And I feel like we have to mention them all because you know, he just gets this so, so well. And mm. it's something to, for everyone else to follow who's on the course. Oh, but I just real quick, I just want to mention, we get this happening a lot. We get this, and I, and I no matter how many times I reiterate it, there's, this question still comes in. You don't have to write down your scenes. Yes. Um, it's, a, it's a common thing where we realize, oh, somebody wrote down like 50 of their scenes. At and it's no point ever do we ever suggest to do that. Yeah. But people would naturally, <laughs> some people just naturally do it and that's fine. Mm. But please don't feel obligated to do it. In fact, the entire point of the whole method yeah. is so that it's to save you time and effort. Right. So if you're then spending lots of time and effort writing out the stories to remember them, that's completely defeats the object, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like uh, giving, yourself, uh, giving yourself training wheels on a bike. Right. Yeah, eventually you might get good enough to take them off, but if you take them off earlier, it'll be like jumping the deep end a little bit, you'll get better quicker. Mm-hmm because mm -hmm. you're relying on your memory skills and your ability to actually use the method to remember, right? So Yeah, yeah. And um, if you're worried that you won't remember, mm. all I would say is then how do you have any memories of things that you didn't write down, right? Because obviously you can remember things. The whole point of these methods is that they're supposed to be the techniques that make things memorable and you're manufacturing something that is going to be a false memory, but it could be just as strong as a real memory. Mm -hmm. So if you can remember real things that happened to you without writing them down so you can with false memories. And I will say that it's the one caveat to this is that if at the beginning you want to write down some scenes just so that you can sort it out in your head, that's perfectly fine, but like just drop the habit quickly because then you can get through a scene in like 20 seconds. And that's what that's what you want. You want to be able to yeah. like look at a character and go, I know the props, I know the actor, I know the set, I have a keyword connection here. Let me just quick think of something. Boom, boom, boom. And yeah. when that happens and you're good at it, you can fly. That's so. what. That's the ideal situation that we, we want you to be in as mm. soon as possible. 
And um, I mean, it took us a while when we were first doing it because we were right. sort of getting used to it from scratch and sort of building parts of it as well. Um, but we, but by the end of it, we were sitting there learning what fifty an hour. I learned I learned a hundred characters on my last day, partially because I was like I wanted to get three thousand. I was like I'm gonna do it today, yeah, and yeah. I did it. I mean, like I remembered, you know, the majority. I remembered about ninety percent of them, which is about you know because you, you don't remember everything, but you have the yeah. flashcards, and that's what is part of big part of the course. Think so. of the Pareto Pareto principle, Pareto principle, eighty mm. twenty rule. Right, you, you're gonna forget ten or twenty percent of them, no matter what, anyway, to a certain degree, or yeah. Uh, so, don't worry about spending an extra, you know, fifty percent or eighty percent of time trying to memorize. Make sure you don't forget those ten, twenty percent of characters the first time, because you, you know, it's just not worth it in the end. Right, right. Just go through, spend thirty seconds, maybe maybe a minute on each character, mm -hmm. uh, tops, yeah. and do the best you can. And then if you're gonna forget anything, Anki will tell you, your, or your flashcards will tell you, because yeah. you won't be able to remember that specific part. Okay, go back, fix it, move on. You know? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'm not saying Ryan is doing that. I'm not, this just reminded, yeah, reminded yeah. us of it. Yeah. So. Okay. So yeah. So, Ryan says I don't have an older brother. So this is, by the way, uh, let's figure out what which this, character. the character is. Um, Xiong. Xiong. Okay, so older means, brother, right? Yeah, yeah. He says I don't have an older brother, so he can't think of a representation for the keyword. Obviously, straight mm -hmm. off, straight off the bat, neither do I. Um, nor does my aunt Sharon, my XI actor for this particular uh, character. Right. My wife doesn't have an older brother. I'm not an older brother. I really struggled <laughs> to actually find a personal connection to this concept. However, I watched a bunch of anime when I was a kid. And in many of those, there's Oni-san, which is always literally an older brother. Huh. But sometimes just an older, oh, sorry, isn't always literally an older brother, but sometimes just an older respectable classmate. Mm -hmm. um, in some animes, Onisan ends up being idolized by a younger female character. So my older brother imagery is a faceless Japanese high school senior who appears with an overly saturated backdrop <laughs> in a very melodic romantic music and wind blowing through his hair as though he's some sort of god. Yeah, I love that about it. I love anime. detail you, this guy writes. Um, fantastic. Yeah, so I, for example, I couldn't think of older brother either. I don't have an older brother. I am an older brother, but I use myself in a lot of scenes anyway. So I uh, I thought of a older brother from a movie, the actual one from um, Home Alone. Yeah, Buzz. I think right? he was old. Buzz was the older yeah, brother, yeah, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was my way of solving that problem. He is like the epitome of the older brother yeah. for me, right? Yeah, and then um, one of the things that uh, was really interesting um, about that scene where he's talking about the older brother, you know, that's also a concept in China that um, mm. a lot of times people will use the uh, brother, sister, uh, you know, older brother, older sister, younger brother, younger sister terms to refer to somebody who's not literally blood related to them. It's just sort of a term of respect sometimes, you know, like when you're just giving a general, like, you know, and so the word here, xiong, it, it's the first character in xiong di, which doesn't necessarily mean you're my literal older brother. Sometimes it's just like, bro. hey, bro, you know, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> and so it can be like, you know, Luke could be my xiong di, right? It's just this of a casual way of talking about a male friend. Yes, yeah, a good good way of handling that. Uh, another one quickly by Ryan is a again grandpa grandparents bathroom mm. uh, character. The actor rather is um, Professor Dumbledore, mm. and so that's D U I right. assume. And props Texas Longhorns stereotypical dreamy Oni San. So that'll be D as in the oh, ordinal number. I can uh, guess that right. Uh, I think that I think oh, that no, this no, one no. would be would this it? would be uh, probably Doi. 
Right, yeah, Doi Huan the Doi. Oh, of course it would. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Because yeah, yeah. we got the Texas Longhorns, and I like that, by the way. I didn't realize. So there's a uh, component in Chinese, very simple. It just looks like a pair of horns. But mm. the Texas Longhorns are a, well, Texas University of Texas or Texas University, that's their mascot. Mm. And they have, you know, that's perfect. That's a great um, uh, prop for that particular component. So then Ryan has got to combine those two props, the older brother and the horns, in a way that represents Doi. Doi, which to means to exchange, uh, exchange right so that's quite a tough one exchanges you know but you can you can visualize that let's see how he did it so albus dumbledore and i are playing settlers of Catan. and what that is in my grandparents <laughs> shower store clearly the cards are plastic coated to prevent them getting ruined by the water they're being soaked with i find myself needing two wheat to complete my goal so oh, I, oh must, I know it's what the settlers doing. of Catan repertoire. I, I know what they do okay so I offer to trade with uh, Dumbledore what does he want he decides to go off the rails and instead of game pieces he wants little Onisan figurines with Texas longhorns badly glued to the top okay general comment having chosen those cigars at the very beginning despite not smoking them more than once a year I'm beginning to feel like an addict <laughs> hasn't driven me to smoke so he, he said for for the number one sort of component the single horizontal line he chose cigars yeah yeah and because he's now because that's such a common component he's now imagining smoking cigars and it's getting <laughs> it's affecting him be, be careful with the mandarin blueprint method yeah like. it'll, it'll <laughs> cause drug addiction um <laughs> no, so no. uh yeah good story uh good scene rather uh, very very personal um one thing i would say is multiple props can possibly be an issue but i don't think it's going to be too much of an issue here yeah, yeah. Because uh, there often are double props in characters anyway. Mm -hmm. So if you imagine multiple props, you might you might have some sort of confusion. But I don't think that's going to be specifically a problem here. It's just something to watch out for. Yeah. Also, I know Ryan's just sort of, you know, he's just being funny here. But um, it reminds me of a little general guideline that we give to people, which is, don't worry about why stuff is doing stuff in your movie scenes. Otherwise, yeah. you'll you'll spend you waste. Why so much is Dumbledore here in my uh, grandparents' bathroom? Oh wait, <laughs> the cards have to be plastic coated because we're in the shower. Don't worry about any of that. Obviously, again, Ryan, I know you're just being funny here, mate, but uh, <laughs> it reminds me of just something because a lot of people in the past have done that. I, I, we've actually had people like I said, "What's your prop for this?" And it's like, "Well, I just created this." this object out of nothing. It's like a made up object. I was like, don't do that. You're not the matrix, the architect from the matrix. You know what I mean? <laughs> Chill. Like, make, yeah. Think of normal everyday objects. That's yeah, the whole, yeah. again, the whole point of this method is not to show how, show off how creative, creative you are. It's, mm. it's just to efficiently get from A to B Right. As quickly as possible. But well, th this is awesome. Well, the water being soaked, of course, the other advantage to that is yeah. I, he's never going to forget this is fourth tone because, yeah. uh, that's the fourth tone takes place in the bathroom. So regardless of which set you're in, this set happens to be his grandparents' house, and that's the set that represents uh, EI because it's Dui, right? So, but he's not going to forget that it's fourth tone because the shower is on, and mm. that's only going to happen in the bathroom. And that's so, another thing that we often, again, like we say, we keep coming up with ways to preemptively fix issues that might come up because of all the time we've spent practicing this method with hundreds of clients, right? So yeah. one of the key things was people would sometimes forget, I mean, it's never happened to either of us, but they would sometimes forget. It's like, I remember everything about this character except I can't remember where we are. I seem to forget my my scene or I forget right, right, my, right, my set. set or I forget my room. I can't remember the tone. And so the way to fix that is obviously involve the location involve the set in your mm -hmm. in your scene and yeah. uh, that's clearly what he's done here and that's a really good way if you find that happening to you anyone that's listening to this 
that's trying to use the method, that's a way to solve that. All right, quick question from Nassim. Uh, what is the difference between E and DR? Um, I wonder if he, he was wondering what the difference would be between E and D, uh, just because E means one and DR means second. But essentially what he's asking about here is a uh, ordinal number in Chinese, first, second, third, fourth, fifth. It's actually easier in Chinese than it is in English because in, in English we'll say first, that's ST, second, ND, right? So we'll switch it mm. around. In Chinese it's just you put the character D right before the number. So D E first, D R second, D SEN third, right? So it's really easy. Uh, so the difference is just the same difference as you would have between one and first. So E by itself is just the, the number one. And it does get used in a lot of other characters mm. and it doesn't necessarily mean one. It kind of means like together or, or all as one. But you know, that's, that's his main question is just what's the difference between E and D E. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, Another comment from Ryan. Ryan's our, our definitely our, our biggest commenter. Hmm. He's uh, uh, brought up something really good to mention, actually. So I'm not sure what's the recommended way to watch these videos is, but I've been watching the Make a Movie videos right up until we say the scene, because we always give our at least one example scene, sometimes several in the videos. Hmm. But only, it's funny he says this, he says he actually pauses it before the scene, hmm. before we say it, and he thinks of his own, and then he watches the video to see if he can improve based on what we say right. or, or yeah. what have you. I actually started mentioning that in later videos. I think once we get to like character 70 or 80, mm -hmm. I start mentioning, oh, by the way, if you want to, you can pause because we you know, want to apply, apply it to everyone. Some people might want to do it in a different way, might want to watch the whole video, but maybe if you want to test yourself, you can pause the video here, try and think of your own thing and then watch it. So that's another, for, again, for those of you on the course, you know, try and try and do that. It's like uh, a way of jumping in the deep end a bit more, isn't it? Yeah. Think of your own, think of your own stories first. Flex that muscle, and then then watch our suggestions and uh, ba exactly, you know, make yeah. any tweaks if you like. I would definitely recommend that. And and what the reason why we give so much uh, preamble to every scene? We say, okay, what's your keyword connection? Mm -hmm. What are your props to represent the character components? Who's your actor to represent the pinion and the set to represent the pinion and the tone? Uh, the reason we spend so much time on that in the early days is because, you know, you want to absolutely master the method in the very beginning. So the first 105 characters, we really hold your hand. But then after that, we say, okay, you got it. Go. Go fast yeah. as you can, right? You know, because uh, so yeah. if at any point you realize as you're going through the course, I got it. I understand how this works. I understand the process. I mean, it's only like a seven or eight step process. So that sounds complicated at the beginning, mm -hmm. but if you do a seven step process 30 times or 40 times, you got it. You, you understand how it works. And so then you can just go through them much faster. So anyway, let's uh, listen to a scene here. I apparently screwed up buying plane tickets for multiple holidays, chief among them being Christmas, Easter, and my aunt's birthday. Not a real holiday I fly home for but makes the scene more amusing and connects better with the actor. Again, very personal. In order to make sure I plan ahead for the next year correctly, my aunt is yelling the dates at me through a megaphone while I <laughs> scratch them into the planner with a large silver cross. Why a cross? Because I won't be forgetting any religious holidays again if I plan ahead with them involved. Okay. So again, that is for, uh, where is he? Megaphone and Christian Cross, so that would be D as in to plan. Right, right, yeah. Um, and the keyword connection, because the, the the meaning of that character is to plan. Bit one abstract. Of those, so he's using the daily planner and she's shouting dates at him. So it's a yeah. very 
very memorable way to get across a fairly abstract concept. So right, he's right. got, he really got his head around that. Yeah, I like that because you know, uh, plan or exchange, which we talked about earlier, they're not tangible. It's not like, oh, look, here's a here's a book or a, in my hand, right, or a microphone. It's something that you have to represent in some way. But clearly, a spiral bound calendar, like you brought up, is closely related to planning. So mm. that's you know, whenever you see an abstract keyword, it's very tempting to go oh well I, there's no way i could imagine that if you're if you're feeling uh you know not too keen on the method or something but remember there's almost always a one or two step thought process that will get you to a tangible object or a tangible action all right so next is an email from chad he's been sending us a lot of emails this week it's been great he says um loving the program i really noticed how amazing it is in the car today i was telling my fiance about it and what i worked on today i mentioned that i had learned which is the ninth character, I believe, in the sequence, mm. but then realized I couldn't remember what it meant. I could see the character and everything, and then I was like, oh, yeah, Gary Oldman picked up the rainbow umbrella out of all the black ones, and bam, I remembered, because that the meaning of the character is individual, so the one rainbow umbrella is an individual amongst the, you know, sort of several black umbrellas. And this, I really appreciated this email, because this point, is really important to recognize that when you make a mnemonic scene in your head, you're not necessarily going to remember it forever, but you have something to recall it. Uh, you have something to base your recall on. So if you do rote memorization where you just write it down over and over, if you forget it, you have to start over again. You're basically starting from scratch. Mm. But he had in his mind, Gary Oldman, he had umbrellas, he had, you know, he had the means by which to go back and fix it and that's something you don't have with rote, rote memorization well, because everything's connected together you know mm -hmm. the, the person the place the objects and they're interconnected through other places in your mind and other me memory palaces that we're building right so this is one thing that i remember when i was doing this first uh, mm -hmm. originally that was something that i found really amazing about it as well which is you can trigger a memory by thinking of something Think of one component of the character. You think of the, 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 the props, the person, the place, and it will trigger the rest for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's and really that's, you could almost think of it as like you built a little something and a piece fell off, mm. right? Well, okay, no problem. Just add that piece back in as opposed to rote memorization, which is you build something and then just all falls down. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's, a, that's a really good point it's that good he made that. there. I, I like hearing stuff like that. Okay, next we have a comment from julian laffey and what julian said was he was thinking of a prop to represent the character xia, which means under or below and so what he imagined was a uh, sort of the ground and roots going down to the ground so the top stroke in xia is like representative of the ground and the bit that goes mm. below is almost like roots spreading into the ground and when we first looked at it it's a little bit hard to imagine but then i we thought about it a bit more and we were like okay i could see how this would work because you could imagine that you pull a little bit of ground out of the ground and then there's the roots under it and mm. now suddenly you have this object that you could you know, use in any given scene. So just as like, long as, as long as you, something, it has to be visual, right? Mm -hmm. So as long as you can see it and it represents the character, the component or the character in some way, then yeah. it's all good. Yeah, and, and roots are very associated with the idea of under. So it's it's a very clear connection. So I like that one, that was really cool. But hey, you can even have a kangaroo. 
Yeah, yeah, we had uh, kangaroos from down under. <laughs> down under, there you go. Yeah, the yeah. underground sign. There's plenty Very of flexible. It's one of the key things about this. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so, uh, another email from Chad. This is in response to uh, something I talked about in podcast three. So, Chad says, "I saw the segment where my scene is featured on the podcast." I'm off for two days, so we'll be catching up with the blog and podcast now. Anyway, I attached a screenshot of what I was thinking when he did the character in his mind for Tong. And so we'll put the picture in the show notes. It's kind of cool. He sort of did a little animation of what he was imagining. So one of the things that happened in that scene was that he mentioned Christopher Walken being in the scene, which is great, good representative representation of C. Uh, but when he talked about the props, I mentioned that I was like, I don't see where you got the props involved because uh, the props were supposed to be two umbrellas. But he only mentioned, uh, you know, Christopher Walken moving these these wheels around. And now he sent a picture of Tong and a little he just did a kind of base, basic a drawing of what he was imagining Christopher Walken doing, kind of holding these two wheels together. And, you know, I can see how he pulled that off. I would just say that this early in the uh, course, because it's only character number eight, mm. you know, it's like sometimes you have to learn the rules to break the rules, but you can, there's so much flexibility in the system. So I'm always kind of ambivalent because on the one hand, you know, you do want to find the thing that you connect with, but you want to have consistency as well. So like whatever the props are going to be, you want to make sure they're consistent all the way around. Mm. Um, so we'll keep that picture in the show notes, but uh, continue with his email here. Phil indicated in the podcast that perhaps my choices were a bit unorthodox, and I agree that for this character they were. But during the course, you guys have uh, told us to trust our brains. This is the very first image I got, and hearing Christopher Walken saying in his iconic voice, uh, where'd you get this from? I wish I could do don't, that. I, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I you attempted to try and do it. Has honestly worked. Um, it, it's worked, he said. And this is one character I've not had to review a lot and I've also not forgotten. So, I mean, at the end of the day, that is what you want. You want to be able to remember the character. So I just would say that, mm. you know, um, remember how, how, like, that you don't see the bigger picture right now. So it is possible that if you get into the habit of breaking the rules too early, that you'll confuse yourself. But that's a, just a general bit of advice. It's not something that you're, you're probably fine. And um, so he says, uh, well, two days off means a lot of Mandarin blueprint pronunciation mastery and a few new characters. So I better get to my lessons. Have a great one, guys. So, um, so yeah, that's a uh, thank you very much for the emails, Chad. And uh, you're really clearly quite into it. And he also you know, he was one of those people on the fence about it at first. He was like, should I do this? Because, you know, there's a lot of choices online for Mandarin uh, learning. And he, he said he didn't uh, regret it at all. So that's it's very great. I'm glad to hear that, Chad. <laughs> yeah, so keep them coming. And uh, anyone else who's listening, try out the course if you haven't already. And if you're on the course, please keep the comments coming. Yeah. And if you haven't uh, signed up for the course yet, we're going to be offering for our podcast listeners a spring festival deal that will be running for the uh, period of time the Spring Festival is happening uh, from you know, the time the podcast is released until uh, the end of Spring Festival. Uh, it will be 20% uh, off the subscription to the uh, course, and it's not that expensive to begin with, but hey, you know, 20% off over a six-month period is not nothing. So mm. uh, you can check out the link, uh, the coupon code in the show notes, and we'll see you in the next podcast. Thanks, everybody. See you guys. <laughs>